and you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. As he comes with the word this morning. Good morning. Are you guys alive? Are you well? I haven't been with you guys up here in a few weeks, so I'm excited to get into the word today. I really believe um, that anytime, honestly, anybody holds a microphone in this pulpit, that there's the opportunity for a life change to happen in your heart, in my heart. doesn't matter who's holding the microphone. As long as we've prayed and we've fasted and we've amen that, I believe that anytime we come into this kind of interaction, there is the opportunity for you to leave change. Do you believe that? Yes. I also believe that it's our responsibility to pull on the word. What does that mean? That as, as you pull and as you're hungry, there's something that happens in the atmosphere that opens us up to be able to receive all God has for us. Listen, Jesus did not die on a cross for a TED Talk, a 30-minute TED Talk once a week. He died on the cross to make himself fully available to us. Are you alive? So I want to talk today about what I believe is available to us as followers of Jesus, as disciples. That's what you are, right? If you find yourself in this place, hopefully if not, by the end you will be. We are here to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And fully devoted followers of Jesus, they look like Jesus. They operate like Jesus, they love like Jesus, they talk like Jesus, they act like Jesus. And I believe the invitation, what God is calling us to today, what I want to talk about is the subject of courage. Last week, Steve, Pastor Steve did such a great job beckoning us to give ourselves for people. How many of you were here for that? It was very convicting. It was a word that cut And I believe that as as we progress, as God's inviting us into this divine opportunity in our region, that it's going to require courage from us as a people. How many of you know that what God has called us to do without the supernatural is impossible to do? We hit a certain point even during worship. We hit this all the time. About the 40-minute mark when we're worshiping in here, we kind of have to say, God, we're going to go up and we're going to... Give people the opportunity by the Spirit to engage because the truth is we can't make you fall in love with Jesus. There's nothing I can do within my spirit to to help you fall more in love with Him. It has to be an opening of the heart, a recognition that maybe there's hardness on the inside and an awareness that all of this, like when you get to heaven, what's not going to happen is a one-hour program once a week. It's going to be a divine fellowship with a living person. So if you're struggling for two hours now, it's going to be a hard time in eternity. This is what we're preparing you for. It's, 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 it's a relationship with a person who is alive. It's not reading a history book. It's an invitation to walk hand in hand with the person of Jesus. But it requires courage. Now many times when we talk about courage, we automatically go to miracles, signs, and wonders, and we're going to go there. But I believe even for for some of us, he's going to give us the courage, the boldness to not go back to certain mindsets, ideals, ways of living, patterns of doing things. It's a courage to step into all that he has for you. It's not just us. You can disconnect because you can see all that God is doing at Abide and think, well, that's good. That's great. But it has to become individual. What God does on a corporate level within a community, a spiritual family has to be individual. It has to land in your heart, and it becomes a stewardship thing. Like, God, how do you want me to walk this thing out? And I believe it's become very easy for us to relegate the gospel to a self-help. What makes me feel good? Or what can I accomplish within my own strengths? 
That's why we see things on Facebook, so on and so forth, about, hey, we have revival October 13th, 14th, and 15th. That's not the way revival works. You don't get to schedule revival. People come into here like, this is revival. No, it's really not. There's, there's, there's a difference. Like, if we equate revival to how many people are in seats, then AMC's been in revival 25 years. Disney for 50. Revival has to do with regional transformation. It's a reformation, which means there's a formation that has to be broken for something to be reformed. There's a breaking down of the establishment. There's a new way. It's like there's a new sheriff in town. Everything comes under the lordship of Jesus. And it changes our calendars. It changes our finances. It changes how we parent. It changes how we love. It it moves us from a place of having to do something to God. I thank you that I get to do this. It's a shift. So Jesus, he gives his disciples, he sends them, right? In Matthew 10, he says, go, and as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is near. So as you go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper. Freely you have given, now freely give. And he gives them this mandate that we would like to disconnect from. But as a disciple of Jesus, let me tell you, it's still the mandate. The mandate hasn't stopped being the mandate because now we got buildings with money. And you can't throw money at initiatives and call it revival. It comes upon a hungry people who refuse to settle for the status quo. They're not worried about what people are thinking to the left or to the right. I become worried when we're so busy and interested in trying to fit in in a system that's not our world. I'm I'm concerned with a church or a spiritual family where demons can sit and be comfortable. It should concern us that we preach a message that we're not fully living out. And this is not an indictment. This is an invitation for all of us to truly believe the full word of God. I had a dream maybe two weeks ago. I think I shared it in prayer room where um, we do something here regionally called To Gather Tampa. So I believe it was in the vein, but but there's an invitation for us. And in the dream, I was suspended. If If you look in our lobby, there's a map of Tampa. For those of you that don't know, that's the bay. And in the dream, I saw the Bay of the Holy Spirit, which that's that's what Tampa's called, the Bay of the Holy Spirit. And I was suspended up, and I saw what was like a cloud over the bay. And in my dream, I said, thank you, Jesus. The Spirit of God is now tabernacling over Tampa. Because this is what we're praying for. Some of the things we're praying for cannot be accomplished until this happens. It's going to take a dwelling habitation of God for us to really see things like human trafficking, all of the things we're praying for. It cannot be done in human initiatives. You can't throw enough money at it. It can only be by the Spirit. So in the dream, I saw the the Spirit hovering, and I was like, thank you, God, that, that the Holy Spirit's tabernacling. And then I came down, and I was sitting in a room, and there was pastors all in the room, and I was listening to the conversation of the pastors and there was a recognition in, my, in the dream that the pastors had started talking about not how to get people to church, but how to facilitate what's happening within the church. It's like we stopped talking about our church and we started talking about his church. We started to mobilize. We started to think differently. There was no line between the Baptist and the Pentecostal or the Methodist. It was this initiative to steward what God was doing. It was all eyes on Jesus. But listen... In order for us to step into this, it's going to take courage. 
It's going to take us preferring our brothers and our sisters. It's going to take us loving. And one of the unmistakable themes, as you read your Bible, one of the unmistakable themes within the Bible is that when people, God's people are possessed with great courage, when they spoke out in faith, God was attracted to that. There was something about people standing in the gap where God would come and he would confirm his word with boldness and power. Many sermons happening all across Tampa Bay, all across the United States right now. But the reality is, if Jesus was preaching the message that many are preaching in pulpits today, he would have never been crucified. Because that has everything to do with what makes us feel better. How can, I, how can I add more unto my life? How do I navigate instead of being called up into the Colossians 3, come up here. Come up higher. The Bible says his ways not, are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Which means he has a whole different value system. Furthermore, the Bible says this. There's a way that seems right to man. Listen to me. I know I talk about this a lot, but I want you to be prepared. There's a path. It talks about a broad path and a narrow path. So eventually, if I'm moving in a certain direction and everybody's going and there's no resistance, I start to get worried. I start to get worried like, man, if there's no resistance. Matter of fact, when I start to get a little resistance, I start to think I must be doing something right. Because when you really start taking... When you really start taking territory in the kingdom of God, there will be opposition. (laughs) Only three people, amen, because nobody wants to hear that kind of word. Because we want to live our most blessed life ever here and store up treasures here instead of in heaven. But he's calling us into this relationship where, listen, when when we operate in great courage, when we preach and we proclaim the true gospel of Jesus... It forces the hand of the Lord to come and to say amen. It's vulnerable for us. I know it's vulnerable for us. It's vulnerable for us to spend even, listen, as a community, it's vulnerable for us to spend money and resources to sit people in rooms to pray. And to completely trust the Lord that somehow that's going to equate in in regional transformation and revival. Why? Because there's nothing we can do to make it happen. There's nothing I can do to force you to open up your Bible and believe it. I can't sit down with every one of you and try to teach you how to pray, which means I have to trust the Holy Spirit as the great discipler to lead you into all truth. Truth is not relative. Truth does not change from decade to decade. Truth is a person. It's why you have to know him. Because you could even read the whole book from front to end and still miss truth if if you don't come face to face with the person the book's about. Help me, Lord. So when our sermons and our and our when our sermons address issues that are humanly possible, God does not need to invade the situation. Can you see this? We've got to move away from this. We've got to start to live our lives in such a way where God has to show up. God has to show up. One of the greatest things plaguing, I believe, the American church, myself included, is we are in need of nothing. Ain't nobody in this room going to go hungry. Most of us, we have places to go lay our heads. And so that concept of having everything we need, it lulls us to sleep. I'm not saying that we have to get rid of everything. I'm not preaching this like sacrificing. What I'm saying is, if we're not careful, there's like this thing that comes over us. 
where the Bible says in the last days there will be people who will they heap onto themselves teachers with itching ears. They want to hear what they want to hear. They're offended by everything. Everything offends them. And they don't realize that offense, it, it limits you from receiving from God. Man, if you're in this room and you're dealing with offense, be delivered. Be delivered and allow the Lord to heal your heart. How far, listen, where has your offense gotten you? Oh, man. That's not what I'm preaching on. So, so I'm going to say this. What we need, what we need, what me and you, me, me, me and you need is to burn with the right message. We have to burn with the right message. I almost talked about Psalms 27 today about our one thing and all this, and, and we'll get there. But I believe it's important for us to be a people who are consistently being beckoned into the impossible. Who are consistently saying, listen, realms of impossibility are meant to be invaded by people possessed by God. Oh, it doesn't get a lot of amens. We're more comfortable hearing people being possessed by a devil than with God. If, if, the, if demons can possess people, what would it look like for a people who are fully possessed by the Spirit of God? How would they talk? How would they act? What would the conviction level look like? What would they sacrifice? What would they be afraid of? Nothing but the Lord. It's a people fully possessed. So let's go to Romans 15. I want to open this up. That was just my intro. I'm not, I'm not going to be super long because I want to pray at the end. Uh, this is, Romans 15 is beautiful. Paul's laying this out for them. And I want to start at verse 18, 19. He says this, For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has done through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles, watch this, by word and by deed. So I dare not boast about anything except what God has done through me, but because of what he's done through me, by what I say and how I live, it has required the Gentiles to be obedient. How many of you would like to live a life that because of the way you live your life, it has beckoned others to be obedient to Jesus? Like something about the way you lived, about the way you talked, would open the heart of somebody to say, I must fall in love with this one that they follow. Three of us, good. We'll get there. But then he says this, resulting in obedience to the, of the Gentiles by word and by deed, with the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Holy Spirit. So from Jerusalem, as far as that one word I can never say, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And that's what I want to talk about for a second. Because he's talking about what God has done through him by word and deed in the power of the Holy Spirit with miracles, signs, and wonders. And this is what he equates fully preaching the gospel. Now, I don't know about you, but I haven't heard a whole lot of messages on, on Acts 15, 18, and 19. I haven't really even heard a lot of messages on what it means to fully preach the gospel. But I want to submit something to all of us today this morning. I would submit to you that if this verse said, if this verse said this, resulting in obedience to the Gentiles by word and deed with a seven-day fast, with a banquet for the poor, insert anything into the scripture that we could humanly do in our own strengths, there would be hundreds of books about it. Here's my point. 
Because we equate miracles, signs, and wonders and the impossible to something that doesn't really happen anymore. We skip over it. Therefore, my conclusion would be this. We're preaching a partial gospel. I need you to hear this. I need you to hear this because what, what God is, what he's creating in us is an appetite for the impossible. Where we would see impossibilities as an invitation to step into different realms of God where he calls us and he empowers us by the Spirit to lay hands on the sick, to give words of knowledge, to receive prophetic words, to be the answer. Here's what I'm saying. To be the answer to people's prayers. Is this making sense? You look, you look afraid. But I believe we're moving into a season where God's like, hey, listen, listen to this. In Joshua 24, 31, I got lots of notes because I want, I, want I want to have a succinct thought. In Joshua 24, 31, it says, And Israel served Jehovah all the days of Joshua, all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, and all who had known the work of Jehovah. Israel, the people of God, they served the Lord as long as there was someone who was leading them who had been exposed to the divine interventions of God. As long as there was someone in the congregation who was leading them that said, hey, listen, remember what God did with the Red Sea. Remember when the plagues came. Remember when he led us by a pillar of fire and smoke. As long as there was someone who continually exposed them to the impossibilities of walking with God, they served the Lord and were faithful. And the difficulty we have is we have very little people who have been exposed to this. Therefore, we've relegated ourselves to what we can manage within our own board meetings on whiteboards. If we get the right donor who can back our plan, then revival will hit. God gave us a strategy, man. I got, listen, we're not against this. We have executive pastors. We have teams. But it has to start with the people on their knees. I'm, I'm ruined for this, man. I refuse to equate revival to buildings that are full. You got to read. Read about Welsh. Read about Azusa. Read about Hebrides. Read about Brownsville. Read about what God does when he finds the people who are completely sold out and given. It doesn't take a lot of us. If I could, this is why I'm preaching this. If I could just get 20 of you guys to have a greater perspective to what it means for God to dwell in Brandon. We would see a region transformed. Who would lay hands on the sick and really believe they would be healed. And when they're not healed, not come to the conclusion, well, God doesn't do that today. That, that that interaction would lead them to the secret place, to fasting and praying, to asking God why. I refuse, man, I reject. I reject that kind of Christianity. The full preaching of the gospel is miracles, signs, and wonders that all point to a person, and it's Jesus. We don't, follow, we don't follow miracle signs and wonders. But as believers, they should follow you. There should be evidence that you have oil. That when people come across you, something changes. Something is different. There should be something about the way you live your life that it convicts the compromise in others. Offend whatever you want to get offended. If you want to live in compromise, be offended. But there should be something about God's people that they set a plumb line and a standard. Yes, yes, 
<laughs> oh, see what happens when you don't let me preach for two weeks? They set a standard. And we don't, we don't change the standard because people are uncomfortable with the standard. We say, let God be God and let everyone else be a liar. Let God be true. But there's something that happens in the spiritual DNA of a people when they live with a continual exposure to the supernatural interventions. We've seen this even over the last month, people being divinely delivered of, de of demons. We've seen marriages be healed. I would submit to you it's just as much of a miracle when there are hidden things that come to light. You can only be in an environment so long praying, God purify us until he does it. You could only sing so many songs about God being refiner before he begins refining. And in this moment, this is, what I'm, this is what I want to say. It takes just as much courage to respond to that invitation than it does to pray for somebody who's crippled. I believe many times what limits us from stepping into moments of divine opportunity is the refusal to submit to the Lordship of Jesus in our personal time. Here's what I know about Geo. In moments where I feel like I'm living in obedience to the Lord, I'm submitted to Him, it's no problem for me to go up to somebody and give them a word. It's no problem for me to lay hands on them. But it's in moments in Gio's life, we all have this. Stop playing that game. We all have moments where we've, we've struggled, we've wrestled. In those moments, it becomes difficult. But I want to submit to you that, listen, just because something's hard doesn't mean it's not the Lord. Man, in Mark chapter 5, you see Jesus. Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells the disciples, hey, let's go to the other side. You know the story. As they're traveling to the other side, they get caught in the middle of a storm. You remember this? The disciples freak out. Jesus, do you even care? Jesus stands up. He calms the sea. If that wouldn't have been enough, the very next scene in Mark chapter 5, he's standing before a, 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 a demonized man who the Bible says his name is Legion, which means he had lots of travelers. Lots of hitchhikers up in there. And Jesus, he confronts the demon. The person is delivered because that's what should happen. When the presence of light hits darkness, darkness always has to be expelled. But you've got to believe this. And after Jesus, he delivers the, the demoniac, the people of the village, they kick him out. This is important for us. Because as we're navigating, we've learned things this way. If God really wanted me to do something, then it should be easy for me to do it. We would determine the validity of the assignment by the openness of the assignment. Meaning the easier the assignment, it must mean that God then is calling me this way. That sounds good, it's just not biblical. If that was biblical, when Moses would have stood before Pharaoh, Pharaoh would have gone, go ahead. If that was biblical, the moment that David stood before Goliath, Goliath would have fallen. And many times we equate courage to the absence of fear. But I would submit to you that many times the Bibles that we quote, the Hall of Fame of Faith in your Bible is full of men who went past fear. They chose faith. They chose to step out. It's not the absence of fear. It's the consecration. It's, it's the solidification of trust in a person. Are you alive? Yeah. 
So Jesus goes, he has to go through a storm to meet a man who not even chains could hold him. The whole town, the whole town was so afraid of him. When he was delivered, they were afraid of him even more. Like, I don't know, bro, that's the guy who eats people. But what's interesting about the story is they kicked Jesus out and you would have thought, well, they missed it. But the very next time Jesus came to this town, the Bible says this, every person came. Every person came. Why? The testimony of one man who had been delivered. How many of you know, maybe you don't know, there are real such things as territorial demons that they hold regions captive. And I have the conviction and the belief that that man was holding, that he was holding that mantle for that region. But once that man was delivered, the region became free. The next time Jesus came back, the whole region came to see him. Why? The testimony of one act of courage. A man who traveled the sea to deliver a man who had once been possessed. So here's what I want to say. There's something different about, about deliverances, about preaching. And we've got to move past human effort. If you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this. If the way you live your life does not beckon God to invade for you to be successful, you're not living life the way you're supposed to. If every part of your life from here to whenever you retire and go on to be in glory is systematically planned out in such a way where God does not have to intervene, I would submit that's not a life of faith. I'm not talking about your money. I'm talking about your dreams, your passions, your desires. The things that you're going to bed think, dreaming with God about. That's what I burn for. I'm not asking God to fill this building and give us multiple sermons. I'm believing that God's going to unify the church of Tampa. You understand that that's different than God filling our little seats. I'm believing there will come a day where the bars will be empty. Where there's not going to be homeless people because people will live their lives in such a way that they did not consider their possessions their own. They live the Bible. But this is going to require from us something. Great courage. Great faith. A turning away. How many of you know repentance to Shuba is more than saying I'm sorry. It's not just, like you can come to the altar every single week and say, I'm sorry. But until you make the choice, the decision, I'm no longer going back to that. It's not just about sin. There are areas in my life that they used to be great, now they're good, but they're hindering what God's leading me into. That for me, I know, the Bible says this, to him who knows what is right but still does it, it is sin. This is why John 15, Jesus says, I have to prune you. Because there were things in Gio's life that I once seasoned, they were great, but they're not going to be able to sustain me in the next season. Therefore, true repentance says, God, whatever you want to do, do it. I'm not going back to that. I know that worked in one season. Man, I get stuck seeing people that are like, man, I'm just, I'm just stuck. Our church just doesn't believe for revival. And I'm contending. What are you contending for? What are you contending for? Like the till, oh, you see how quiet it gets? <laughs> if the time is short, why are you wasting time with the people who don't want revival? What, what, what are we really doing? We're not here to build initiatives and programs. We're here, like my wife said, to prepare the way of the Lord. 
And we'll sing him love songs all day. We'll sit in prayer rooms. We'll rock back and forth. Guess what? We'll fast. We'll do all the Christian cuss word things. Because we believe that something is coming and we want to be prepared for it. You may not believe it. That's fine. You may not believe it. But here's what I know. If I can get a few people to believe that God is still God of the impossible, we can see him do something special. You know how stupid people used to look at me when I used to tell them, we're not building a building, God's going to give us one. People used to look at me like I was stupid. Until it happened. It's only crazy until it happens. When I came to Tampa, and there was 10 people in a room, and I spoke about the Walsh revival, and I said, God is going to do this. They looked at me like I was crazy. Until people started showing up with dreams. Until people started being healed and delivered. Until people started showing up. They say, we've been praying for this for like 15, 20 years. We have to have an appetite for this. A conviction. And I really don't care who goes. I'm going. That's my conviction. We talk about this as a staff. I found a hill that I'm going to die on that hill. I don't care if it doesn't happen through Geo. For Judah. For Selah. If it doesn't happen within my lifetime, it'll happen in my kids' or my grandkids' lifetime. But I'm not going to stop contending because we are immersed in a faithless generation. Ooh, I'm not going to do it. Jesus walked into a town and he performed many miracles. But there was one town he walked into and he could not perform many miracles. Why? Because there was unbelief. I feel it in the room. I feel it in the room. But what I'm saying to you is there's an invitation to be delivered. I don't know what you've been through. I don't care what you've seen. The Lord will uproot that seed if you will allow him to. I'm telling you. I grew up in a broken home. Nothing went right. I should not be here. But I had to allow the Lord to break the hardness of my heart to get a greater vision. But like, why do you think God uses you? Because I know there's no way I could do this on my own strength. I'm a high school dropout. Everything statistically says I should not be here. And all the people that are put together and they think they got it all figured out, it's going to be hard for you. It's going to be hard for you. Because God's not impressed by our lights and our sound systems. He doesn't care about our promotional material. He's not really even interested in the live stream. Bless you if you're on live stream. We love you. He doesn't listen to the sound and go, wow, that live stream sounds good. Now I can touch them. All of that's great. Listen, God's pleased when we feed the poor. When we go out, we, he's pleased by that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong. But if it ends with that, if it ends with that, and there's no pull, there's no push. Man, where are those people at? Where's the push in the pool people? Like we're going to continue to pull on heaven and push back principalities of darkness. Where are those people at? Like when we come into a room and people aren't worshiping, they would be the ones that say, no, 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 we're going to bring God our best. Where are those people at? This is what God's calling us in. And I know you're in here. Like, this is why we're here, man. We're family. <laughs> but I'm saying, I'm painting a picture for where God is taking us. It's going to be more uncommon for us to lay hands on the sick and them not recover. But I remember when I was in Africa, and we talk a lot about Africa. I can tell you 10 stories about America, but this one this morning as I was driving just popped out. We were in Africa, and we were in a village in Bush Bush, and we were preaching 
So in Africa, they show the Jesus film on Friday night. And right after they show the story of Jesus, they're about to show how Jesus works. This is how they do things. So they show the Jesus movie. The whole village comes. They set up, they set up a screen about that big. And then after the screen, they say, hey, listen, that guy you just saw wants to touch you tonight. So bring all of your blind and all of your deaf. It's like that. That's how they get down. And they bring them. And all of us, I was like 20-something at the time, like, I didn't go, this is the problem, right? We go to school for four years to do ministry, but not once do they teach us how to pray for the sick. So we show up, and it's like, man, there's a lot of deaf and blind people here. That's scary. But then all of a sudden, as we begin to pray, you see white eyes turn brown. White eyes turn blue. And all of a sudden, something begins to happen in your heart. And you begin to say, oh my, he really is the God of the impossible. He really does heal. He really does transform. And before you know it, everybody's praying. So the next day we go to the village and we go out and we canvas the village. And, and we begin to pray. And then this one, when we come back to camp, there's one kid who's sitting on a reed bed, right? He was sitting on a bed. And he was mute. He couldn't speak. I don't even think he could hear. I, I mean... He couldn't, he had never said a word in his life. Like, it was like, like he couldn't talk. Really, it was that way. And we began to pray over him, and nothing happened. It was like, bro, Holy Spirit, we just did this last night. Let's run a replay. Nothing happened. We were praying, we were praying, we were praying. And then you could feel, (laughs) you could feel kind of the faith dwindle a little bit. Then all of a sudden, Heidi walks into the room, of course, well, outside, I'll never forget this, man. She walks up and she, you can see immediately when she sees the young kid, compassion. It wasn't about the miracle. It was about one of God's sons was hurting and he needed a touch from his father. And she was simply just becoming the conduit. If the miracle becomes about the miracle, you'll never have the miracle. You'll never, you'll never have the miracle. But she saw him. And she comes and she lays her hands on his throat. And she begins to say in Portuguese, Jesus. Jesus. She doesn't even pray for him to be healed. She's literally saying, you say Jesus. And little by little, man, all of us, it was like something out of a movie. His tongue became loose. Many of you know that'll make a good movie. The man's first word was Jesus. And we wanted to do that. And then Heidi looked at us and said, don't ever ask God to give you something you've never wept over. <laughs> you see how quiet it gets? <laughs> There's something about the supernatural that it opens up our hearts to believe God in faith for more. And to be honest, I've been discouraged in past seasons because I have found it easier to rally people around building Him building something for a ministry than building him something. We cast vision. Man, how many vision, vision Sundays have I been a part of where it was all about what we're building and very little to do with him? Help us, Lord. But I'm telling you, there's something about a company of people and I'll kind of land here. In, In 1 Samuel 14, there's a story of of Jonathan and his armor bearer. And, you know, the Israelites had this forever enemy. Who were who? The Philistines. They were like the forever enemies of the Israelites. 
and they're in this weird, precarious situation, and Jonathan is there with his armor bearer, and they move away from the camp, which Jonathan would have been Saul's son, and they go up, and it says, in the midst of going, they find around 600 Philistines on a hill, right? Are you with me? As they find them on a hill, I want to read it to you. Hold on. Let's go there. 1 Samuel 14. Are you going there? Good. Yeah. So there were 600 men on the campground on the outskirts. No one realized that Jonathan had left to reach the Philistine outpost. Jonathan had to go down between two cliffs, right? Here we are. He said, let's go across the outpost of these pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. Do you hear that? Do you hear his heart? There's 600 men, there's two of them, and they're like, ain't nothing going to stop him, bro. It doesn't matter what we, he's going with us. And then the armor bearer, this is the kind of people I'm looking for. Like whenever I say something crazy, the armor bearer looks at him and says, do whatever is in your heart. God's with us. That's what I'm looking for. Like when we begin to say things like God possessing a region, that we would not think about all the impossible. We say, man, God's with us. Let's go. Let's get it. So they go into war. Well, sorry. They go and Jonathan says, this will be our sign. If the men up there say, hey, come up here. We have something to show you. We will know. That God is with us. How many of you know that's, that, that's not a great fleece before the Lord? Amen. Everything about this story is wrong. They have the higher, they have the higher stance, which in a battle, that's the, that is, they have the better prospect of winning the, the battle. Are we there? Yes. So what happens, right? They call him up. Hey, come up here. And Jonathan's like, hey, we got this. Two men walk up. They climb up the mountain. And when they climb up, everything goes into disarray. The Philistines go back. Jonathan's armor bearer forgets to give Jonathan the sword, and he begins killing everybody. The whole story's wrong. The armor bearer's job was to give Jonathan the sword and to defend him. They go up the mountain. They slay, I think, about 20 men is what it says. They killed them. And then the story of this got back into the Philistine camp. <laughs> I want you to see this because this is important. It goes into the Philistine camp, and there's a great fear that comes over the camp. Because now they've heard about two men who have operated in great courage. They've chosen to trust, like they really believe, God is with us, let's go. And so they begin to, to, to mobilize, and then all of a sudden, oh, i got to read it to you. Let's go to verse 21. So they come back, they fight, let's get going. The men rushed out to the battle and found the Philistines killing each other. There was a confusion among the camp. There was terrible confusion everywhere. And then it says this, verse 21. Even the Hebrews who had previously gone over to the Philistine army revolted and joined in with Saul and Jonathan and the rest of the Israelites. Likewise, say likewise. likewise. Likewise, the men of Israel who were hiding in the hill, the country of Ephraim, joined the chase when they saw the Philistines running away. What's happening here? Two men climb up a mountain. They possess great courage they defeat the enemy. There was confusion. Because listen, when you go into the enemy's camp, God goes with you. He makes crooked paths straight. He makes the impossible possible. This is, this is what happens when you go. When you obey the go and as you go, the impossibility is on him, not you. 
So the Philistines go into confusion. There's great, great confusion. They start killing one another. But all of a sudden, there were Hebrews that were in the camp of the enemy. There were those who were once with the Israelites who were now, for whatever reason, on the other side. But the moment, the moment they had heard about the great courage of two men, they recognized, I don't belong here. Do you see this? This is why this is important, man, because there are people right now, right now, that they're living in compromise. The same way the Philistines look, the Hebrews look like the Philistines, they look no different than the world. They've given themselves to that system. Maybe they're offended. Who knows how they got to the other side? What's important to note in the story is they didn't belong there. And what it took was the courage of two men who were willing to go up the mount and defeat the enemy to say, oh, they stripped themselves of everything that once identified them as a Philistine. But then there was another group, man, who the Bible describes them as they were up in the hills, those who were on the outside. It would be silly for us to think that in a room this size, there aren't people that, that this is where they find themselves. They're watching what's happening, but they're on the outside. They're afraid to fully give themselves, so they hide on the outside. They don't want to fully open up their hearts. They don't want to fully engage. But I'm telling you, as a few people, they begin to operate in great courage, in great faith. It will open the hearts of those who are on the outside. The greatest testimony we've received here, man, we ask people all the time, how did you get to abide? Like, how did, we just heard the Lord was there. When you, when, you, when, you make, when you set your face towards building the Lord a house, He will reside in that house. <laughs> but the only way He stays in the house is if He remains the Lord of the house. Many places, many places have started this way. And somewhere along the line, somebody came with money or with influence or with an agenda. And slowly but surely it turned. And I'm saying to you, to us as family, are we, are we not family? As family, the only way to keep our hearts pure before the Lord is to continually expose ourselves and put ourselves in situations where you realize God is awesome and you are not. Like it's God. It's God. Where we continually split, we put it back on God. How did it happen? I don't know, but God. So our assignment is to invade the realm of impossibility. And I just want to say, like, I'm, I'm going to land with saying this. You don't have to be powerful, famous. You don't have to have all the right things. You simply have to be tender and surrendered. Did you hear me? I say this all the time, but I've learned the people who think they know the most typically know the least. It's no different than the people who talk the most typically say the least. But when I come across a person who they choose their words carefully, they're not interested about, about sharing their agenda or opinion about everything. What does that do within a people? It causes you to lead in. Oh, he said something. Let's listen. 
Now, a church who continually speaks about the divine interventions of God but never chooses to actually lay hands on a sick person or give a word of knowledge or step into a God dream. There are some of you, man, I, I, I came into this morning with this in my spirit. There are some of you that you are carrying God dreams. Like God has spoken things to you and you've turned down the message because of unbelief. Like at one point you believed everything you read about this Bible. Like you read it and you believed it. And somewhere along the line, circumstances happened. And when you begin to funnel Bible through your circumstance, you're in a very dangerous place. It would be deception. Because truth is truth. And if Jesus says, for me to lay hands on the sick, this is just an example. And it doesn't happen. It doesn't, I don't get to change my opinion on what it says. If everywhere the disciples went, a region was shaken by the power of God, yet we have 50 churches every quarter mile and something's not happening, we don't get to change his opinion on the purpose of the church. What we do is we hold on, we hold steadfast, and we don't change the message. We wrestle, we die. We continue to believe him for all he has said. Am I talking to anybody? Yes. At least the Cabreras. Yes. I know that we're in a season as, as a family where God's doing a lot of amazing things. And I just want you to hear from me as a senior leader, I'm thankful, but we're just not yet satisfied. Like, well, how do we know when revival will hit? Well, no revival hits when we stop asking the revival hit. This is why we're here. The reason we have the pillars of his presence, prayer, family, and revival is because we believe it's going to happen. We believe that there's going to come a day where people are talking about what God's doing in Tampa Bay. And it, this is not about abide. We're not saying like we are holding the corner. We're the cornerstone of this. I'm saying let's prepare ourselves to be a part of it. Hmm. I feel like, I'll be honest, can I be honest, man? I feel like five years ago, I spoke a, a message very similar to, the, to this. I spoke about the Walsh revival, and I felt like there was very little faith in the room for it. I feel like five years later, there's a lot more faith in the room. I really do. But I feel like God's, he's calling us as a spiritual family to believe him for more. I'm done with having conversations about certain things. I'm not going to talk about how close we can get to certain lines before we miss out on what God has. I'm not doing it. The conversation and the narrative has to change. It's not about how close can we get to the world before, before losing what we have. It's about how much of God is really available to us now. If the kingdom of heaven is at hand, I want all of it. I don't know about you, but I want all of it. 
I want my kids to grow up in an atmosphere where they know that every morning when they gather, Jesus is going to meet them there. That any part of their heart that is hard is going to be confronted. That there's a continual invitation to grace where we can repent and we don't let our hearts grow cold. So quite honestly, man, I wanted to just end today with us crying out for this. Like, man, didn't we do that last week? <laughs> Therein lies the problem. I'm glad you thought that. Therein lies the problem. Well, we prayed for 20 minutes last week. Didn't happen. God must not want to do it. I've studied. I've studied every single revival that I know of. There's some, there are some things that God is doing around the world we will never hear about. There are people you will never read about that are going to be most famous in heaven. You think when you get to heaven, like, the, the, the greatest people are going to be everybody who is on televangelism. It's going to be the nobodies. You're never going to hear the name of these people. It's a great likelihood that the more they're known here, the less they're known there. But I believe that God, like, what I've learned as I've studied about it is that anytime God hit a region, there was a group of people that for years cried out. It was for years. And they didn't just cry out when the music was good. It wasn't just like when you get like, man, anybody, can, anybody in the room can pray amazing when Covington's singing a song. Anybody. Anybody. But like what happens when there's a whisper in the room and it's going to require you praying loud enough to hear your own voice? And then the enemy begins to tell you, you don't even know how to pray that way. You don't pray right. What, what, who tells you, who told you you can do that? That's why he's called the accuser of the brethren. I don't know what the conversation went like with the guy who was on the middle cross. You remember the guy who Jesus was there and he said, hey, will you forgive me? They were on the cross. He was about to die. I don't know what the conversation went like, like when he died and crossed into, over into eternity. And the angels there was like, yo, what are you doing here? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> what, what did you do? I don't know. The guy in the middle cross said I could be here. <laughs> he didn't heal anybody. He didn't preach a message. He's like, I don't, the guy in the middle said so. <laughs> like, let's move past that. Let's move past that. Like, you have everything you need to be a part of what God is doing right now. Say, right now. Right now. Right now. Oh, so here's what I want to do, man. If, 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 if you would, if you, if you resonate with what we're believing God for, I'm just going to ask you to stand. And we're just going to spend a few minutes here praying. We're going to pray for something in a minute, but actually I just, I just want to pray together for just a moment. <clears throat> I believe it's very important. Oh, I have to say this. For those of us that are parents in the room, it's very important for your children to hear you crying out for revival. Like we've got, our kids have to hear us praying for more than our supper. And I would just say to you, this is a great place now to begin to 
to, to learn to cry out to the Lord. What John was inviting us into during worship is what we're talking about right now. We just pour out our hearts towards him. And if you don't feel that appetite, that's okay. Just ask him, God, give me an appetite. I spent a year, after I heard Tyler say this, I think I spent a year asking the Lord, Lord, teach me how to love you. So can we just begin to pray? Somebody's got to lead the way. Come on. Just aloud. Come on. Jesus, give us courage. Give us courage, God. God, we're asking you for a fresh deposit of faith. We're asking you, God, for the spirit of conviction to fall upon your people, God. Would you soften us? Yes, Lord. Would you tenderize us, God? God, may we be found in these rooms without music, without the show, without the hype of a moment crying out, Come, Lord Jesus. It's okay if it's uncomfortable. A little bit more. Come on. We got to press. We got to pull. We got to push. Hmm. Father, would you break our hearts? Father, would you help us to feel how you feel about a generation, God? May we not point fingers and just say, get better, God, but may we stand in the gap for them, God. Father, we want to believe in all that you said is available for us. Would you visit us with dreams and visions and visitations, God? Father, would you awaken the church? Would you awaken the church? Oh, Lord, we're tired of our strategies and our systems, God. We're asking you for divine intervention, Holy Spirit. That as we open up your word, it would come alive. It would cut us. It would grip us. It would compel us. Father, move us beyond offenses and having to understand everything. I'm going to push you. Come on. Holy Spirit, we're asking you to visit us. Hundreds of scriptures say those who wait upon the Lord. Those who wait upon the Lord. Where are those who will wait? Father, we're watching, we're waiting. Hmm. Come on. Yes. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. 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 Come on. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yes. Yes. Unify your church, God. Oh God, we say greater. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. Listen, for those of you now that have been praying for a while, I want to pray for those of us that maybe we have dreams. I want to ask that the wind of God would blow upon those dreams. But even if you feel like, man, I'm just struggling to have faith for this right now, we want to pray for you. We want to cover you as family. So just lift up your hands. This is going to be a vulnerable moment right now for some of us. Come on, who else? Let's just find somebody's family. Just if you now have your hand up, find somebody right now. We're going to pray over them. I want you to move. Yeah. Hands all over. Right there in the back. Hey, Jeff, would you go pray right there, Jeff? Right there. Come on, just a few minutes here. Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we ask that you would blow on dreams right now in Jesus' name. God, we thank you that every word you've spoken is truth. It is truth. So, Father, would you blow on the dreams and hearts right now, God. May the Holy Spirit come and eliminate every root of unbelief right now in Jesus' name. We say yes and amen. And, Father, we release offenses. We release hurts and the need to understand. And, Father, we release fresh faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, pray for Release heaven over them. God, we say grace. Grace and mercy. We say, Son of David, have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. Son of David, have mercy. We silence every spirit right now. We speak freedom. Holy Spirit, would you uproot, man, I feel that, uproot every seed, every seed of unbelief, right now in Jesus' name. Father, we want to believe, we want to contend. We say greater, greater over our families, over our marriages, over our communities. Father, we ask you for spiritual hunger right now in Jesus' name. That it would be awakened, God. Would you deposit spiritual hunger into hearts right now? Father, we want to burn. We want to burn with passion. We want to burn with passion. Come on. Father, we're asking you to break out in our region. We pray for the churches of Tampa Bay. Would you bless them, God? Would you pour out your spirit on them? Start here, start now. Father, would you prune? Would you purify?
We refuse to stay the same. Father, you said from glory to glory, from strength to strength, from glory to glory. Father, we ask you for divine, oh. We ask you for visitations that would mark a people. That it would forever change the trajectory of their lives. Like Jacob who wrestled, may there be those who have limps. Forever change, a marked noticeable difference. Father, give us faith for this. It's, it's, it's legal to cry out for this. God, you said, you said, God, that our sons and daughters would prophesy. There would be dreams. There would be visitations. We refuse, we reject, quote, unquote, normal Christianity. Let there be a new standard. Let the fear of the Lord come into your church. Let there be reverence. Oh. Father, restore awe and wonder at your name. Awe and wonder at your name. We won't grow bored and weary in contending. God, deliver us from short attention spans where we could only pray for two minutes. Help us, Holy Spirit. Help me, Lord. We won't change the subject, God. We want to have courage for this. Father, we bind depression and anxiety right now. In Jesus' name. Every bit of heaviness, we tell it to go in the name of Jesus. Go. Go. The Bible says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. So we say freedom over you. Freedom. Freedom. Father, we ask you for healing right now. For bodies in the room, God. God, that your Holy Spirit would come and confirm in power. Woo. That you would come right now, God. Let it be from you. Not from man. May you come and touch. You said by your stripes we are healed. So we say over you, be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. We speak the shalom peace of God over you. Holy. 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 Father, we break all condemnation right now. For those of you in the room that you've been tormented by the you don't belong here rhetoric, we speak to you right now. We say you belong. You're covered. You're covered. Hey, Tommy.
Will you go pray? I want to pray over you guys. Yeah, Pete and Maya. Hey, babe, will you go over there, please? Man, I, I just really feel, I just really feel like there's some hidden, hidden things that God has spoken to you guys that you haven't even shared with people. And it's tender to the Lord. Like, I just feel the Lord saying, like, it matters to me. It matters. Like, I, he would stop the whole thing right now to say it matters to me. And so, Father, Father, we pray for those things. It's not necessary that we know, but it is necessary that they know that it matters. And, Father, that those things are alive. They are alive. You've spoken them. They are alive. And, God, you are true. So, Father, for their family, the things you've spoken, you've deposited. I even see, like, blueprints and things that he's given you, even the plan. But, God, we thank you for the right time. There is a Kairos moment. And, Father, we just want to say yes and amen to every dream in their heart. Father, we even forgive those who didn't have the capacity to see in them what is on the inside. But, Father, we as a spiritual family, we say yes and amen to every dream in your heart. Father, that you would release grace and faith in this season to see by the Spirit. Father, blow. Every time that that thing would come to mind, let there be great encouragement and faith. We cover you. We cover you. Father, even for those in the room that are carrying dreams and passions, may they be ignited. Father, would you pour gasoline? Would you just pour gasoline? It may seem like an ember, but it's enough. Father, would you restore joy? You said you would make them joyful in your house. Oh, Jesus. For those that are dealing with any, any heaviness, I just encourage you to just raise up your hands. We want to pray for you to receive joy, that you would be made whole. Father, in Jesus' name, we say joy. We say joy, that the joy of the Lord would be their strength. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Those who run to it, oh, we declare those who run to it. You are refuge. You are strong tower. I just feel there's something I want to do with Pastor Gio. I'm going to just come here, bro. <clears throat> I just feel like we need to respond that like Jonathan's armor bearer, that we are declaring that the vision that God has given you, we are with you. That this is the bay of the Holy Spirit. And that the picture that God gave you of his dwelling place being here, and I'm not talking about here abide, I'm talking about here as in the city, we are in agreement saying yes and amen to that. And so Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we just stand in agreement, we say, so be it, God. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We just want more of you, Father. We want to see the city transformed. We want to see the city changed, God. 
We want to see this city on fire for you, God, that this would truly be called the Bay of the Holy Spirit. It will be known as a place where you, Holy Spirit, are, where you dwell. And so we declare that, Father. God, we turn away from a place of unbelief, God, and we turn to a place of faith saying, yes, it shall be. It shall be. You have declared it. We stand with that, Father, and we stand with Gio. We stand with other pastors who are contending for this, God, and we say yes and amen. Come, Lord Jesus, come. These next few, this next season is going to be marked by this. A people who will continually cry out. Father, we've lost appetite for every other thing. We're just not hungry for that anymore. It doesn't satisfy. It doesn't bring, it doesn't bring satisfaction. We refuse to be moved by numbers and statistics. We want all of you, God. We want all of you. God, as we, as we leave this place today, may we carry this. What's happening here can't stay here. It's got to go with you. It's got to go to your car, to your closet, to your secret place. The last thing I'll say is, I just want to say this. I, I just feel it's important to say, yeah, come on, still. Come on. I heard the Lord say that strongholds of fear have been confronted here today in all of us. And that we are not to dismiss this confrontation. We take this confrontation home with us. Every one of us. Father, we just give you praise now. That fear does not control us. We will not be, we will not be under the foot of fear. Hallelujah. We, we now stretch forth our spirits inside of us to take hold of that boldness that he preached about today. That boldness that wherever we go, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost is our controller. Hallelujah. We walk and we talk and we speak in Him wherever we go, wherever we go. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. Those old creatures of fear are gone. They are dismissed with the, with the power of Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise you. Thank you. So Holy Spirit, we repent for trying to control you and stick you in back rooms. And Father, we say from this day, we give you full control. I understand that only came with four yeses.
but that's okay. For those of us, God, we say you have full control of our lives, of our ministries, of abide. Abide is yours, Holy Spirit. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you're doing. Father, we refuse to grieve your spirit any longer. Come on. Yeah. Just along those lines, the last thing I'll say is this. You're significant to what God's doing here. I'm not just talking to my staff or our elders. You. Say me. me. Like say it again. Me. me. You're significant to what God is doing here. There's something you bring to the table that nobody else brings. And I want you to hear from the senior leaders here. We need you. We can't accomplish what God is doing here. But it's going to require, it comes with a but. <laughs> But it's going to require a full you. This isn't, this isn't the leadership trying to draw lines. This is the Lord saying, come fully in to what the Lord is doing. Amen? Amen. Amen. Oh, I love you guys. There's going to be a lot of more of this, so we just need to settle in here. We need to settle into like the uncomfortable. <laughs> One day it'll become an eruption. But we got to start somewhere. Amen? Amen. Hey, we got prayer rooms starting back this week. If you need to linger, linger. Um, if not, we'll see you guys next week. Bless you guys as you go. Bless you guys. We love you.